much love. Ravage love. This week we salute the troops. Julie. Salute the troops. Hi, Renee. How are you? I am so good. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. I am the daughter of an ex-service member. Um, Mm -hmm. I have multiple military people in my family, both currently and in the past. And uh, I'm a hardcore lefty progressive that doesn't think we should glorify war. So I have feelings. (laughs) (laughs) I actually have a fun military story because when I was growing up, I always got to go put a wreath down at the cenotaph. But none of my family members were ever in any war. So here's the story. My grandfather's father, who was a famous Canadian football player, um, was also in the military um, and friends with uh, fucking Neil Young's dad. Anyway, my grandfather should have gone to war, except he was so mentally ill. His father was just barely able to keep him from getting a lobotomy. Yeah, so he didn't have to go to combat, but he did become a famous photographer during World War II. So I get to lay a wreath for some reason. I don't know how that... Yeah, I was like, I don't know how that ends with you putting down a wreath, but I don't hate it. I don't hate hate it. it. If you are familiar with Canadian politics (laughs) or Canadian news whatsoever, you know that I had a very infamous experience trying to get officer cadets to give a shit about ending sexual violence. And as a result, they told me that I deserve to die. So I I mean, just one of those whodunit type situations. Um, And the answer is always the patriarchy. So... Amen. That, that's where I'm at. This <laughs> Lest <week>. we forget. <laughs> Lest we forget. Hey, hey, hey. Um, but as a result, I think I intentionally went in a very different direction for my book choice <laughs> this week to try to uh, be a bit of a salve for my weary soul because I have a lot of big, complicated feelings about military people and what... What Remembrance Day even means, why people politicize poppies when poppies in Canada are like copyrighted to the Legion. It's a weird vibe. Um, Mm -hmm. But we are going to bring you some stories somehow related to troops. And again, for those of you who are new to the pod, Renee and I choose two different books on the same theme, but we do not connect first before we hop on the pod. So I don't know what you read. I don't know what your story was. But you will not be surprised by the choice that I made, my friend. I'm sure I won't be. <laughs> and neither will longtime listeners, because <clears throat> my book is called Miles Apart. The mm-hmm. subtitle is Clean Amish and Military oh. Romance. <laughs> Shock, not shocked. <laughs> so Miles Apart, Clean Amish and Military Romance, was written by Bethany, I think it's Rockman, Rajkman. I'm not sure how to say it. Interesting, couldn't find a lot of information about her, but she had her debut novel in 2018 and since then has published 11 books, which is pretty prolific in, you know, almost three years, let's say. Most of her books are uh, Christian, Amish, YA, and or fantasy. 
So that's Ooh. interesting. Yeah. And what I found particularly delightful when looking her up is that her books really run the gamut of an Amish girl and a doctor, an Amish girl and a basketball player, an Amish girl and like real just Amish girls having lives with Englishers as they call them. So I'm going to tell you the tale about Miles Apart by Beth Bethany Rockstein. I'm not sure how to say it. <laughs> <laughs> so Justine Burkholder is an 18 year old Amish woman who is really excited to get married and have her own bibis. But she has a heart condition, which causes her to sort of spontaneously lose consciousness. So she has to venture from her community in the valley to New York City to go and see a cardiologist. And she's at, and then you kind of get a little bit of a fish out of the water vibe. You know, her friend is like, oh, you can't go to New York by yourself. It's really scary. And then when she's in her hotel room, she sees herself in a mirror for the first time because folks who don't know the Amish don't believe in photographs or in mirrors because it's seen as a sign of vanity um but she's a beautiful 18 year old girl out in New York City and she's killing time before her appointment and she decides to go for a walk first time she ventures outside of her hotel what happens Renee she gets mugged Classic. Well, she has nothing <laughs> classic new york story so someone snatches her wallet or her purse runs away with it she's like help help and then a tall dark and handsome man chases after her goes up to her is like are you okay and she's like he stole my purse chase and in my mind i instantly went to my little friend from king of the hill <laughs> <laughs> literally just thought to myself that's i don't know you um but she sadly did not get that self-defense training so um can i be real i immediately went to rick moranis so Ooh, because rick moranis recently got punched in the face for no reason in new york city is that why yeah, yeah. oh my god no no i went to uh <laughs> the tiniest member of the hank family or the, hill, the hank hill family <laughs> that's my purse i don't know you uh so he runs gets the purse brings it back to her and she's like oh my god thank you so much and in the process of thanking him she passes out because of her heart condition wakes up in his arms Aww. he asks her to lunch thinking that it's just a blood sugar issue and she's like actually it's not i have a heart condition and i don't go out to places with strangers and then he's like well <laughs> my name is Boragar winthorpe the <laughs> third <laughs> What? Oh my god. My name is Bodegard Winthorpe the third. My friends call me Bo. Um, so we're not strangers anymore. Can I take you to lunch? I'm like slick, slick Beauregard. Oh my god, that's like my name is Bill Dotree. Dotrees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh so then they go in to eat burritos and they have they chat for a while and he shares that he's a Navy SEAL who travels the world on special missions and he just happens to be in New York. They're like, oh, that was lovely. And they part ways. The next day, he's outside her hotel. Now, I'm like not loving this because I'm like stalker vibes, stalker vibes. But she's into it. And he was like, oh, I just wanted to escort you to your doctor's appointment because I know your experience yesterday. You might be shaken up. 
And then after her appointment, they end up going on a date to the zoo. Then they go to dinner. They meet his friends. And then he kisses her on the cheek. And she doesn't hate it. She's very smitten. So she spends the next few days doing various tests on her heart condition and seeing Bo. And then it's time for them to part ways. And they are like, how are we going to stay in touch? He's like, you know, I travel around the world and you don't have traditional or, you know, new forms of communication. They decide to be secret pen pals. <laughs> and then they, and this is a modern day story, and they have a little kiss on the lips. It's very cute. Then they start doing correspondence for months on end. And it's very cute because she gets the postmaster into it because he holds her letters for her at the post office and then wraps them up so she can go and read them privately because he's a romantic at heart. Um, and her best friend also is like, I'm real happy for you, but like your parents are going to shit a brick girl. Like you can't be like, you know, doing this. And the thing is, it's not just because he's an Englisher that the family would have a problem with it. The problem is also that Amish are hardcore pacifists. And oh. right. So, you know, you're not just dating a dude who's not Amish. You're dating a dude who kills people for a living. He's a fucking Navy SEAL. Um, so she decides, you know what? It's for the better of everybody. If they corresponding for months and then finally, um, sadly, her family finds her letters <gasps> and they confront her and she decides to cut him off. But not before her mom tells her the most batshit anti-choice, like was a fucking crisis pregnancy center involved a story about, let me tell you a tale, Justine, about this young woman who was Amish and started secretly dating an Englisher. And then they had this whirlwind romance for months. And then one day they went to a park and he raped her and then what? left her. And then she got pregnant and she was going to be the shame of the community. But this delightful young man in the community who had always had a crush on her decided to marry her to preserve her dignity and then raise the child as his own. And that man is your father. What? <laughs> yeah. So she's not not the quote-unquote bastard child in the situation it's her older brother um but she just drops this on her as like this cautionary tale like don't fuck englishers they're rapists who will leave you high and dry which like not wrong but also like yeah. yikes so then she inexplicably is f like putting clothes on the clothesline one day and looks over and bo's just Moose. showing up at her house no i wish <laughs> I was hoping for it. I'm like, oh, caribou? No. Um, uh, no, it's him. Uh, it is him. And she's like, oh my gosh, what the heck? And he's basically just like, I'm going to prove to your family that I'm, you know, that we can be together. Did so, he show up with like fucking sugar pie? Uh, no, but he should have because as you and I have learned from reading all these Amish stories, they are obsessed with sweet treats. Exactly. That's the only way he would be able to win them over is if you brought the best goddamn sugar pie to this family and then he was like my mutter who i love dearly, made this <laughs> i swear to god it is the best pie you'll ever have <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> i'm sorry to interrupt you please continue oh my god no 100 percent accurate but no he brought flowers and i was like that's not gonna win over the amish but anyways then i just have to read you this quote of like so he comes over to woo the parents and the dad says <clears throat> no this is just like what the author said about the dad and the 
Bo going off, like, let's go have a man-to-man chat. And they leave the room. And then the author says, the negotiations were on for Justine's status as a daughter and as a future wife. Gross! Anyways, Bo ends up leaving because he has to go on a mission and dad's still not convinced. And then Justine is really sad and is like, you know what? I just can't live without him. So she finds out someone in town has a car and is going to be moving away. So she hops in with them and is like, I'm going to just, you know, go as close as I can to where he's going to be. And then when he's done his mission, we're going to be together. She gets a letter from Bo saying, uh, you know, I'm in the UK and I'm on my way home and I'm so excited for us to be together. Then she gets a letter saying, hey, Beauregard III was just injured in a car bombing. Please, I hear you're a religious woman. Pray for him. He probably won't make it. Somehow he's flown back to the U.S. I don't know why the U.S. think they have better health care than the U.K. (laughs) But anyways, also, why was there a car bomb in the U.K.? Why was a Navy SEAL in the U.K.? close to a car bomb i have a thousand questions that are unanswered but he's flown (laughs) back he's flown back from the uk injured she goes to see him at the hospital he declares his undying love she's in love they get married expecting you know they go to plan their wedding expecting the family has completely disowned her sure enough she has been shunned by the elders and hears from people that yeah you know the elders you've been shunned from the community and she's sad but she's trying to make sense of it and then her parents surprise her by showing up And so her parents come to her wedding and she's all delighted and sad that she's been shunned from the community as a whole, but now gets to start her new life with Beauregard Winthrop III and her parents by her side who are coming to see her secretly so that they are not also shunned in the community. And then it ends. Wow. Yeah. So in terms of genital descriptions, none. In terms of spice factor, zero. Um, it, was not sexy at all there was no sex there was no it was a lot of like young love type we're so sweet and virginal and chaste holding hands in the park going to the zoo type shit so i didn't the writing was solid i will give it that you know as we talk about sometimes when you get ebooks just off you know kobo kindle or whatever sometimes it can be a bit hit or miss but it wasn't terrible writing the storyline was obviously cliched um and in no version of reality do i see a navy seal falling for a bonnet wearing amish woman in the middle of the streets of new york but again anything is possible and i respect people who just want escapism for escapism's sake um but that was uh, miles apart a clean squeaky fucking clean (laughs) amish and military romance by bethany rajwin (laughs) (laughs) how about you renee oh my god so my book was eh like it was a medium book all around um except for the man in my book who was no medium man so my book is called guiding her curves a bbw and military mountain man romance by lana love 2020 um two main characters in this book there's Clarice uh, <laughs> and Vic um, could it be Victor could it be Vicodin I don't know but his name is Vic so Clarice has just um, been dumped by her fiance Howie who called off their wedding three months before the day and she is pissed and is just like tired she just needs to like get the fuck out of the city and just kind of regroup and it's like 
You know how if you have to like reset your um your internal clock, you go camping because the sun will do that. That's all I could imagine. However, she's not camping. She decides to go on just like a wilderness adventure and um, she decides to hire a guide. So she goes to hire this guy called Derek Watson uh, because he's spicy. And um, so she goes into the wilderness. She gets to like the guide house and um, Derek has the flu and who's there instead, but this wild looking man um, who was also on the website who she didn't, she didn't pick because he looked like a wild Bushman cause he is. Um, and it turns out that he's way hotter in person. His name is Vic, but Vic is kind of pissed cause he's like fucking city slicker up here in the mountain, probably upset that she can't have her princess coffee and a hot shower, blah, 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 blah. But she is determined not to take no shit from no man and she puts him in his place. But then he realized that, that she is the most attractive, sexy woman he's ever seen in his life. And, you know, has to kind of keep it in his pants. And at one point he tells himself like, you know, I'm going to have to get this under control because I can't be held responsible if I can't. Blah, blah, blah. Which I hate, I hate hearing that in books. Mm -hmm. So this is a story of two people hiking. <laughs> it's like, you know, in the Harry Potter, when like Ron and Hermione are just in a tent for a whole book, it yes. felt like, um, so they're hiking and you know, she, he's, she's kind of sharing her story about how like she had this shitty fiance who was like shat on her because of her weight. And you know, he can't believe any of this because she's so fucking gorgeous. And he's like, just eating her alive with his eyes. And he's like, oh, you spilled water on your titties. Yum, yum, yum. Uh, but then he notices that rain is coming. A big storm is coming. And um, he's like, oh shit, like we need to get out of the way for the storm. So, cause he lives as a fucking recluse in the woods. Um, he knows where there are like abandoned hunting cabins. So they find one that's like derelict like it's falling apart there's a tree on the roof but it's the only chance they have to stay out of the storm so they get in the house and um you know they get a fire started and and clarice like changes and then he takes off his shirt and he's just fucking cut like he is ripped like fucking vain like just a meaty meaty man with a big meaty beard and tattoos and scars everywhere and then she notices his dog tags and she's like, what's up with the dog tags? And he's like, I can't talk about it. And she's like, okay. But then she realizes that he's like fucking hot as hell. And she's like, okay, you know, I'm not against it, but okay. So um, it turns out that she's really scared of thunder and lightning. And we never know about this prior to this moment, but there's thunder and lightning. And she's like, that's right on top of us. And then instinctively Vic goes over and wraps his arms around her. Cause he's like, oh my God, I just have to protect her. I need to protect her. I have to protect her from the wind and the sun. I just need to protect her. Like that's the whole thing. And we've seen it a million times where he's mm -hmm. like, I'm gonna protect her. Um, and she's just like, oh, thanks man. Like, thanks for the, the hug. That's real nice. Um, so next day she wakes up in the bed and he's in bed with her um kind of like wrapped up in his arms and she's just like holy shit and she starts like looking to make sure her clothes are on and he's like oh you know it made me really sad that like that's where her mind went as if i would ever hurt her in any way all i want to do is protect her from everybody <laughs> this, is the, this is the first night 
They've been, they went on one single hike. This is the next day. Um, and then he realizes he's like, Oh, I love her. Like, I don't want her to leave me. I hope she's like, but like, what would a, an amazing woman like her, you know, want with a man like me? And like, you know, I'm such a wounded man. And you know, she just, she's not going to want to stay with me. Um, and I'm like, yeah, no shit, man. If she could even hear your inner monologue. Um, <laughs> here's, this, here's, here's a scene here. He says, Novik, no, there's no room in my life for a woman. What woman in their right mind is going to pack everything in and move into the wilderness for me? I don't kid myself about that. I've got too many ghosts after finding my team blown to hell and gone. No woman deserves to take on that. And that's all of it is him like having these brooding moments of like, she, you know, she, I, I could never hurt her. I just got to pretend like it's, oh, it's constant. It's really annoying. Um, but I digress. So, um, they go to leave the cabin to continue their hike. And he realizes that there's a huge tree in the way for some reason they can't walk around it. I don't know why. Um, and, uh, so he decides I, I, I can't let this woman go. She's everything to me. And I'm going to take her to my cottage. And she's, so they end up at his cottage and um she's kind of weirded out by it because she's like oh this is really personal but okay and so they go into his cottage and she sees like um like a frame with medals in it and a frame with like pictures of i guess some other army dudes she's like what happened vic here's what happened <laughs> to this group julie bleeding heart victor or vicodin whatever we decide to call him <laughs> he was overseas we don't know where and he oh, he called he called it like he's like i found this pregnant bitch and it's a dog he, he, there was oh. a dog in the town um and he had a soft spot for this dog so every time he would come into town he'd bring some jerky for the dog and so on this one particular visit he pulls the jeep over um to go get the dog and he has to chase after the dog to give her the jerky and then the van blows up <gasps> Yeah, while he's chasing this dog to give it jerky. Um, and he's just like, <laughs> as a result of this, he has completely left society. Um, and he's never forgiven himself uh, for chasing that pregnant bitch. So um, Clarice is like, oh my God, like how horrible. He's like, yeah, my life is so dark and this and that. Um, and then... He decides that he he wants to ask her to stay. This is the second night. This is the second day. He wants her to stay. He cannot live without her. He's like committed to protecting her for the rest of time. So he wants to see if she feels the same way. So he takes her out to see the sunset. And she's like, oh my God, this is so beautiful. Wow, this is really nice. And he's like, if you could have anything in the world, what would it be? And she's like, I don't know, like stay here forever. And he's like, you could. Do you mean that? And she's like, um yeah i do he's like oh i love you so much i i was hoping you would feel the same way and she's like yeah no i love you too this is great. this is nice and he's like i'll never i'll never let you go i i love you and she's like okay and then they start making out she's like let's go inside i'm like bang it out and he's like no i want to see you in the moonlight and she's like what and so he runs inside and gets blankets then takes her to a clearing next to a campfire and they fuck um and that's it. That's the story. 
Ooh. And it, it was like reading a soap opera, except the woman was very disengaged. She was just like, nature's great. Wow. I'm here with this really foxy guy. Wow. Nature is pretty nice. It's pretty nice. And then he's just like obsessed with her. And they don't even spend two full nights together before he's like, stay here forever. Real Ted Kaczynski vibes. Um, you know, and... I mean, Ted Kaczynski definitely could hold his own in the wilderness, but I just don't understand one, what makes a person become a recluse if they're a mentally healthy person, just mm-hmm. like after one event. Two, that speaks volumes to recluses that it's the first woman he's met probably in a very long time. And he's just like, cannot control himself. Yeah. And like I'm just like Ugh. so anyway, um they only meant like there was dick and cock and it was really just him referring to the pulsing cock in his pants. She at no point was like wet. At one point her nipples were a little hard. Um and that's about it. And uh I think she called her pussy her hot center once. Uh he did go down on her, which okay. I think was great. But Julie, they were hiking for 48 hours Mm-mm. they got caught in the rain they got caught in the mud they sweaty and gross and every time they're like inhaling each other's scent it's always like sweet woodsy musky like no every- yeah and i was like that's a bad smell um anyway they only had one sex scene it was not hot um like i don't know one out of five cans of refried beans yeah um yeah uh-huh. wow yeah, i mean his his inner monologue changes quite a bit throughat the book like at first he's like my dick throbbed like a motherfucker and he's like <laughs> he's always like that oh also the mountain is called king mountain which i think was fun um yeah. he's a wild mountain man who um has quit the army and at first i was like please have like an mk ultra connection because that's what i <laughs> they didn't um he just chased a dog and he his friends blew up like i could handle that like that wouldn't send me to live in the forest but i'm also in a lot of like mood stabilizers so <laughs> to say i also think that like hermit culture is that even a thing i don't know but like stare like there's a reason why it's mostly dudes that are like bye i'm gonna go live in the woods now and i'm like women just stick it out (laughs) women are like life is hard that's what it means to be alive yeah Um, i really would have the way they could have improved this book is if while she was in his house and she was admiring like his medals and stuff they just fucked by this fireplace and she had to like nurse the little like ember burns on her butthole um she found his manifesto and she was like oh shit and then she like books it down the mountain that would have been the perfect ending for this um yeah but otherwise it was the shortest book i could find i don't know if you had this experience but all of the military books were like almost 300 pages or over 400 pages like there were too many and i just did not have the time or the wherewithal so you know what? That's totally fair. And um, ultimately, the conclusion is that books about the military are as disappointing as the military itself. <laughs> so here we are. So I'm going to read you a very chaste passage 
because that's basically my whole book. Um, And it'll give you a sense of the true rom-com, like this would be a movie starring like Kate Hudson um, or like old school Renee or not Renee Zellweger. No. Yeah. Or it could be in like Bridget Jones era for sure. Or like Reese Witherspoon in the early days when she did a lot of like rom-com-y sweet home Alabama type shit. So picture. It's in like big little lies and I can't see her in anything else. After That's what I'm saying. Right. Like after she did like wild and big little lies and um, little fires everywhere and stuff like she's now finally in a place where she can make the movies she wants and they're fucking solid. Oh yeah, hundred percent. But there was a time when there was a lot of her. But same, I mean, same with Matthew McConaughey, right? He was just like the hot dude in all these rom coms, and then won an Oscar. So, anywho, picture like generic white man that could pass for a Navy SEAL, and let's say Reese Witherspoon in a bonnet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so they've just spent their week together in New York City. The week was over. It was time for Beau to return to his ship and Justine to return home. Neither one knew how to say goodbye. They were sitting on a bench in the park trying to figure out what to do. Beau started. I think we could write each other while I'm on ship to keep up communication. When I'm on my next leave, I can come and meet your family and we can decide what we should do then. How does that sound? Justine sat and thought. She finally spoke. I cannot have you write to me at my house. It would cause too many problems. I will have you send the letters to general delivery and ask the postman to hold them until I can come pick them up. I will write to you as well, and then we will decide, as you have said, when the time comes. It is the only way I can think to do the right thing and not lie to my family or the bishop. They sat in silence for another few minutes. Bo looked at his watch and sighed. Only two more hours until I have to report to the ship. I'll walk you back to the hotel and make sure you are okay. Then I have to leave. He looked at those deep blue eyes as if to memorize them. Suddenly, he grabbed her to his chest and squeezed her tightly. He smelled her hair, the fresh, clean flower scent of her, and felt her tremble beneath his embrace. He pushed her away, then leaned in for a slow, deep kiss. She did not resist, but kissed him back with a fervor that surprised him. When they finally stopped, Justine took his face in her hands. You have the most wonderful chocolate eyes I have ever seen. Make sure you remember that I will think of you all the time. She smiled at him. And come back to me safe and in one piece. I hear those mean I hear those mean people like to use bombs and other things I cannot imagine to hurt people. Bo nodded somberly. He stood up and took her hand in his. They walked back to her hotel, comfortable in their silence. He hugged her tightly again at the door while the doorman politely looked the other way. Bo kissed her one more time, then turned to go. Bo! Justine called out. I have I have deep feelings for you. Don't forget that while you're gone. She, she smiled bravely, trying to leave him a good memory of her. I'll go you one better, Bo hollered back. I love you, Justine Buckholder. Don't you forget that. With that, he jumped and kicked his heels together, <laughs> then continued down the street. He knew if he looked back, he would never make that ship. The doorman smiled and said, Looks like he's a keeper, miss. Justine nodded through the tears flowing down her face. Yes, I do believe he is, Mr. Jones. I do believe he is. (laughs) And scene. (laughs) Oh my god, that was so pure. (laughs) Right? So pure. So pure. And That was very like, meet me in St. Louis. (laughs) (laughs) It was very chaste. It was very, yeah, even the the heel clicking, like, 
I never okay put that on the list of things I never thought I'd see in a romance novel <laughs> there we go like, jumps like hot dog exactly he's like, no. just like I'm gonna go tell the sailor boys <laughs> obviously he's a queer man in the navy like, let's be real I mean in the navy am I right <laughs> <laughs> oh my god wow. alright hit me Renee okay I'm not even going to give context because it's like, this is just the whole book. So um, they're at his cottage. That's <laughs> There's a mountain. <laughs> yeah. Oh, also every chapter is either from Vic's perspective or Clarice's perspective, but then it just gets super muddled. So this one is supposed to be Clarice's uh, perspective. So you mean Clarice? Clarice. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> me. I never thought I'd meet a woman like you. Vic pulls me close to him, sighing as his muscular body presses into my curves. I feel safe with him in a way I've never felt safe with anyone, ever. Each moment that we are together, my heart opens more to him, expanding in ways I never could have imagined. Meeting you has literally taken my breath away. I came up here to get away from people, but my god, you walking into my life is the best thing that's ever happened to me. I don't know how I've lived without you. I pull Vic more tightly to me, my body trembling from all the emotions surging through me. I thought I was crazy for the pull I felt to Vic. I was sure I was imagining things, but now the emotions surging through me are excitement that maybe, just maybe, he's the man I've been looking for. I've always dreamed of having a wife and raising a family. The intensity of the sunset behind him is matched only by the intensity of the way he's looking at me. His blue eyes are fierce and vulnerable, and the vulnerability touches me more than I would have realized. This big, powerful man, a former soldier, a hero. I make him feel vulnerable. It takes my breath away. Um, one thing that happens throughout this book is that she loses her breath while she's hiking because she's thick. Anyway. Of course. What happened? I ask quietly, running my hands through Vic's dark blonde hair. I know what he's going to say, but I need to let him tell his story. He needs to know that I'm here for him and that I'm going to support him no matter what he says. War happened. Fuck. Vic's body stiffens and he looks away, roughly running his hands over his face and through his hair. You're more than I ever hoped for. Me too, I say, wrapping my arms around him. As Vic hugs me back, deep emotions overwhelm me. It all makes sense what my friends who have found the one mean. Vic and I barely know each other, but I know he's my the one. Every fiber of my being needs Vic. I know that I need him in my life each and every day. Stay with me. I know. Vic pauses, his eyes squint in worry. I know this isn't what you're used to, but it's what I have. Everything I have is yours. I am yours. I look into Vic's blue eyes, my heart racing and excitement rising up in me. In less than a second, I know that Vic is my future. Yes, I love you too. Vic exhales a deep breath and smiles at me, his arms tightening around me. His mouth finds mine and our kiss consumes every atom of my being. The urgency of our kiss quickly takes over, our tongues locked in a passionate dance. We should go inside, I groan, my breath coming in jagged bursts. I wrap my arms around Vic, feeling his heart pound in his chest. Running my hands over his strong muscles, I shiver at the thought of touching his bare skin, of seeing his gorgeous body, of feeling his body moving in mine. No, Vic says, his eyes bright. Let's stay out here. I want to see you under the moonlight. Oh, I gasp, overwhelmed at how romantic that sounds. But no one is out here. It's private. He responds as if reading my mind. Stay here, he says, giving me a lingering kiss. 
I cross my arms over my chest, hugging myself in the now chill air of the mountain. The sky is painted with swaths of dark red and dark clouds, the sun almost below the mountains in the distance. I smile as I watch Vic return to the porch, then see him return with some blankets. He shifts them to one arm, then possessively puts his other arm around my shoulder and pulls me close to him. The scent of his body is intoxicating, woodsy, and musky, and teasing a deep desire in me that wants, no, needs to be unleashed. Vic leads me through the darkening woods. Normally, this would be terrifying, and I'd be scared of getting lost, but with Vic, I know I'm found, and he'll protect me from anything. Here we are. We're standing in a small clearing next to a small fire pit. The trees are tall around us except for the circle that we're in. Bright stars stud the inky sky above our heads. It's so beautiful out here, I say, watching Vic spread the blankets next to the fire pit when he quickly gathers some wood and squats down to light the fire. I judged you too harshly, harshly, Clarice. When I first saw you, I didn't think you knew what hiking was or would actually enjoy these woods. I'll never, he kisses my forehead, then my nose and finally my mouth, I'll never underestimate you again. And then they have boring sex next to a fire. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The war happened, Julie. I mean, it it's real. It's very, <laughs> it's very real. Well, I wonder how many vets now live as a recluse in in the woods. Oh, so many. Yeah, I mean, so many. Yeah, yeah. You see some nasty shit. You go back to a job where you're not supposed to talk about the impact of the nasty shit you saw. That would make someone pop the hell off. I think. Sure. We're we're lucky for the ones that are like, you know what? I'm just gonna go live alone in the woods. That's like best case scenario for some of these people, frankly. <laughs> and like they'll just like never look at a dog again. Yeah, you're just like I can't. Oh, I mean, we've all been triggered by animal things. I mean, shifters. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I've seen Never Ending Story. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh, that horse will haunt my fucking dreams. Well. Saluting the troops. We did it. We're patriotic sons of bitches, Renee. Yeah, we are. We really, really are. Renee. We really are. We saluting the troops. What are we reading next week, Renee? I'll tell you, Julie. We're reading Pulp Fiction next week. Sweet. We're going back to our stack of historical Pulp Fiction that we acquired months and months and months ago in the before times. And before we're, we're going to bust an old, we're going to kick it old school next old week. school. No barcodes. No barcodes. Smells like old church. Uh, the yeah. paper, if you sneezed on it, would crumble. We're talking yeah. real old. Yeah. It's going to be <laughs> sick. So join us next week for that. Join us. Also, congratulations to our three bingo winners. I haven't sent you your gift cards yet, but I will. Awesome. Well, and stay tuned, folks, because you thought October had all kinds of shenanigans planned. Uh, we are approaching the holiday season, which is truly the time for the romance y'all to shine. So we are going to have some gems for you in oh. December. Some holly jolly jams. Some holly jolly jams. Some participatory activities. Um, we're going to hit you with another Instagram live. It's going to be wacky. So don't miss it. It's going to be great. Julie, this was a blasty blast. It was definitely the best part of a weird week talking about dead soldiers. I'll tell you that right quick. Lest we forget. Lest we forget. Do you want to sing us out? Sure do. Ravage love. Ravage love. Bye. Bye.
artwork for the podcast was created by Karen McKnight. Special thanks to Press Start to Join for production assistance. For gaming and tech news, search Press Start to Join or on social media at PS, the number two, J Show. Connect with us online at Ravage Love on Instagram and by email at ravagelove.podcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.